beats. I told Ashley, uh, maybe more impressive than raising six kids was preparing sermons every week with them running around the house. Because it just, uh, you know, it gets busy. And then I felt guilty about all the Saturday nights that we brought all of our kids to their house before he had to preach in the morning. Um, I do like Sunday night services. It is something different. Um, if I can be very transparent, I remember when we were on staff at the church, maybe after that afternoon nap, not really feeling like I wanted to go to the evening service. And then you get there, and it's, it's just a different, different feel, less formal, but um, there's something about Sunday night that people really want to be there. It's, it's beyond obligation. Is that fair? It's, it's something where you, even if you check that morning box, you still are hungry for more. Um, and I really believe, we're going to get into a couple things tonight, but I really believe too that we are accountable to our measure of encounter. And what I mean by that is the more that we experience in Jesus and together and the more that we learn of him, the more that we are accountable to reflect that likeness in our own life. Is that fair? And so I think genuinely, and maybe not from a place of malicious intent, but I think at times in our life we can avoid these moments or these services for fear of what it will require of us after. Is that fair? And so I'm being honest because I've been there, those moments where, okay, Lord, if I say yes to this, if I move this direction or into this thing, I know that it will cost me something. It will require more of me. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight, but can we just... um, Pray just one more time together before I kind of dive in. Father, we love you. And I just pray that you would string this together tonight, Lord, that you would build the bridge between the things that you've placed in my spirit, that you would bless lives, that you would shift hearts, Lord, that we would be postured to receive from you and to respond with sincerity. God, that even now you'd begin to prepare us to say yes to the invitation. That even now you would begin to stir us towards repentance and to receive what it is you've called us to and have for us tonight. God, if you're not in this, it's pointless. So I pray your anointing, I pray your words. God, that I'd be out of the way and that you would just speak freely tonight. We commit our plans to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So this might sound a little bit like griping for a minute, but I'm going somewhere. I have had um, multiple experiences, as all of you have, with Christians, professing Christians, and we have been this individual at times, if we're being honest, that their life just does not reflect the truth that they've confessed. I, there's, I expect sinners to sin, right? I expect people who do not know Jesus to act a certain way, but it seems like what heats me up and, and fires me up and gets me arguing, debating, whatever, is when I see somebody that has said, I'm a Christ follower, and then they begin to profess or act contradictory to what they have just confessed. Okay, we, we see it in the business place, we see it um, in politics, we see it in the church, this, I am a Christian. I've come up with a name for these people, by the way. I, I'm not calling them Pharisees, I'm calling them binos. And these are believers in name only. Okay? <laughs> Stick with me. It's, it's a real thing. Because we, what we have is, I think we tend to put that pharisaical title on it, but really that's what's happened is people who, whether it be 
um, just due to their attendance or their business. I've got a fish on my window. I've got these different things. And they love what being a professing Christian can leverage in their life without wanting to pay the price of what that really comes with it and take up that cross daily. Is that fair? And so what we have is, you know, it's, it's in the Bible Belt, but it's everywhere. This idea that I can profess to be a, a Christ follower, I can go to church, and that's, that is the culmination of my faith. I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do, and so that is sufficient. And what we know is that following Jesus and saying yes to him requires dying. And so I want us to kind of move and transition. I'm really asking Holy Spirit to help bridge these two thoughts that he's given me tonight um, and two scriptures that may not even seem to go together, but he spoke one way in one and one way in another. And the invitation tonight is really going to be for us to move into the more and the deeper that he has available for us, even when previous attempts seem to have failed or not worked out the way that we wanted them to. I know for me personally, and how, I guess you don't have to raise your hands, but I think everybody in this room, there's been a time where you, in leaning into Jesus, you have said yes to something, and you felt like you got burned by it. Just me? You've never leaned into what God called you to, and it hurts you, and you got mad at him. Right? This is what I'm talking about, where you're accountable to your measure of encounter. And you, the, that's an opportunity for maturing and leaning in and recognizing. And what that moment really exposes is a wrong perspective in us. So, so yes, it may not have worked out the way we intended. But if we have right perspective, the, the goal and the outcome of our yes was never how do I benefit. It was I love you and you're worthy and therefore yes. And so what I'm, what I'm seeing and what I want to address tonight and move towards is this whole thing of we don't want to be binos in the church. And I don't think it's intentional, and I don't think it would be something we readily confess that we want to operate as a believer in name only. But I do think if we're willing to examine our hearts and even let Holy Spirit examine our hearts tonight, there are some areas where we have walled up or, or put up blockades to Holy Spirit because we didn't want to pay the price associated with saying yes in that arena. Are we tracking tonight? So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be jumping around a little bit, and I'm just trusting Holy Spirit to navigate with this. And so I've been, I've been doing this. If you've never done the daily audio Bible, it's just very enjoyable. I like his voice. And uh, he goes through old, new, and Psalms, Proverbs. But I'm listening to this, and every one of us that has gone through the Old Testament looks at Israel and says, wow, that sounds super familiar. Right, It's almost a little bit shameful to look at their life and you watch them as God does these miracles over and over again and brings deliverance over and over again. And if you, I forget what verse it comes into play, but I was listening. It's like they see all these things, then finally the, the Red Sea, and it says, and then they feared the Lord. Not with the plagues, not with the deliverance, not with the favor. It wasn't until they saw the Egyptians utterly destroyed that suddenly the fear of the Lord rose up in their heart. And I find that in my life and in our lives, I ask the question, why does it take so much for us to, to desire that right posture and that fear of the Lord? And I think the tendency is comfort and convenience in the life of a Christian. And so I started, I'm praying through, and I'm, if you've ever preached, you're navigating, you're talking to the Lord, what, what's on your heart tonight? How do you want to encourage? And sometimes you just get that thing that drops and it opens up, and then sometimes you have eight things that feel so disconnected that you just wonder if you're even saved. <laughs> and so 
that was, that was this past week for me, but I, I think it's going to all come together. So I'm following them through this journey of being delivered, and I'm looking at them, and they begin to complain for provision. And what, is, what to me is one of the saddest, um, almost sickening thoughts is the moment where they say we were better off in captivity because we had provision in prison. And I want to juxtapose that tonight with the moment in, in, in Luke where we see provision in promise, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But it's that difference and that distinction between Old and New Covenant. You know, in the Old Testament, and this, this is the posture of a bino, if you will. I don't need to pursue and glean things for myself personally. I have a pastor that will ascend the mountain and bring me what I need. Okay? Now, we understand in the Old Testament that was actually the directive of God of they can't come where you can come to. But New Testament, it is no longer stay down there. I'll speak to him. It's actually come up here. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And what's awesome about that is it tells me this, that how much I encounter of God is completely contingent on how desiring I am to meet with him. And he will respond in kind to that desire. And so I look at the Israelites. I look at the binos that I run across in those seasons in my life where I maybe even had that label. And I wonder what it is that causes us to compartmentalize our faith in different contexts and situations. So it's very easy to come to church and be full-blown Christians when we walk through the door. And my concern is that we have traded heart transformation for behavioral modification. And so we have learned to be Christians without becoming Christ-like. And those two things should never be in opposition, but I think you get what I'm saying. We've learned how to act a certain way on the exterior without really allowing things to happen on the inside of us. And that's where I want to go in Scripture. If you can open up to Matthew chapter 15, we're going to read this, and I think it'll bring us where we need to be. I'll give you all a minute. I've had these conversations in our home this week, even with our kids, this idea that it's not what you consume that defiles you, but it's what comes out. And so I want to talk about this because I, I feel like it fits in and it's a piece of this puzzle to what we're talking about. Uh, 15, chapter, chapter 15, verse 1. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. And Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I cannot help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. And in this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own traditions, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. And the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And Jesus replied, I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. He said... Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. And then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. And he said, don't you understand yet? Anything you eat passes through you, 
or through the stomach and goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. I do encourage you to still wash your hands. I read this, though, and I really feel that it is, and I know this sounds a little discouraging, but I promise we're going to ramp this up in a little bit. But I do feel that it is a brush that we could paint the church with right now. That where we have sacrificed so much of that inward transformation and we have taught, um, and I don't know the motive behind it or what started it, but we have really taught people, if you act like this, then the heart will follow. Just this is how you need to behave. These are the things you come out. I've seen so many people who give their lives to the Lord and they're filled with zeal and fire and they're unpolished and they're rough. And this idea that the outside is defiling them quenches that fire. Instead of teaching them about intimacy and pursuing the Father and studying the Scripture and walking in communion with those that have shared values and allowing the things on the outside going away to be the consequence of intimacy. Does that make sense? Now, this is a Sunday night crowd, so you guys already have this figured out. But what I'm saying is there's another step to this and another part of this progression that I believe happens more in the life of the mature believer. And that is where we compartmentalize our faith. We don't bring it into our business. We don't bring it into the marketplace. We don't, we don't confront. We don't admonish. And we don't bring that truth because we have traded conviction and consecration for comfort and convenience. We have found the sweet spot where we can follow Jesus and live a life void of confrontation. And I don't see in Scripture a life that is sold out to Christ not involving confrontation. And when I say confrontation, I don't mean condemnation and, and bringing people down. I'm talking about standing for the truth that you've confessed to adhere to in a way that is unwavering and uncompromising. And I've never seen people of conviction that could sit still. It's what drives us. When there's conviction in your life and that desire to see wrongs righted, you cannot help but be a person of action. Sometimes it, it will drive you to homeschool. When, you see, when you're convicted about what's taking place in, in, in a school system or a certain arena of life, sometimes it will cause you to, to plant a church. It may cause you to run for office. But we have failed to be people of conviction. And I have watched a world that is more convicted that their wickedness is right than the church has been convicted that our righteousness is the way forward. And so that, that's what I want to invite us into tonight is that we would, we would really commit to going into those deeper and further places with the Lord and, and not fear the consequence of what's going to be required of us. And I promise you that the cost of not saying yes to him in those moments far outweighs the price tag of moving forward. You will miss out on so much more by playing it safe in the kingdom than had you said yes and ran that race. I had a friend that said that, that God is not boring, you are. And that the life of a Christian should be the most eventful, exciting adventure that we've ever taken. Because Jesus is so unsearchable and, and his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And if we will lean in the things that he will do in and through us, we cannot even fathom. And so I'm, I'm reading about, hey, we've, we've done really good about fixing the way that we act. We go to the store and we know how to hold ourselves proper and how to dress and these different things. And then we go home and we fight and we yell and our heart really shows up. It's true. 
And so I, I want to invite us tonight into that place of consecration that says, Lord, I don't even want my calling and, and where you take me to, to go somewhere that my character won't sustain me. I, I want to make sure that if I invite somebody into this life, that when they look at mine, they'll actually see him. And so, again, I, I don't want people to just associate me as, as a, a good person or, or a nice guy. I want them to look at my life, and I want them to look at your life and say, that is a man or woman of God that is unwavering and uncompromising in their convictions and the principles that God has laid forth in the Scripture. And so what a bino will do is it will, they will sacrifice the principles laid out in Scripture when it affects their comfort or gets in the way of what they want. And I, I, I don't want to come down on anybody tonight, but here's what I really felt like the Lord was leading in that is if you've been in those seasons where you know that you've compromised the principles and the precepts of God's Word for your benefit or what you thought was your benefit in the moment, really what's lacking is trust. If you feel like you have to move outside of what God has established and what he has set forth for your well-being and for life and life more abundant, you may think that you're being wise and cunning, but what you've really done is you've conveyed that you don't trust him and you don't trust the ways that he said you're to walk in. Is that fair tonight? I see it every day. If you're in business, if you're wherever you're at, you see it constantly. You, I've, got, I've got this on my wall. I've got this in my office, these different things. But then as soon as that deal comes through that you might have to smudge the line a little bit to get it through, well, the Lord wants what's best. This is a blessing. You, that's, not, that's not what we've been called to. A life of compromise is, it should be so far outside the mind of a Christian. But again, we've really settled into that place of complacency. And so, again, this feels very negative, I know, but what I believe the Lord's going to do tonight in our, in our altar time and as we move forward is I believe that he's going to begin a shift in a new season in many of our lives. And how many of you know that seasons change with time and seasons change with transition, but seasons can also change with a decision. And so the decision, and I'll elaborate on this, but the decision tonight is that we give Jesus our full and uncompromised yes and so as we navigate towards this, if you're here tonight and you've, you've never given your life to Jesus, then that's your decision tonight is I'm committed to you and I give you my all. But if you've been walking with Jesus and, and growing with him, the decision tonight is I release those areas of my heart that I've withheld from you, whether it be because of fear or comfort or convenience. We don't, we don't need to play it safe when we have and again, I'm not saying to dismiss wisdom. But I'm saying don't use wisdom as a banner to, to cop out and run away in fear. And too many times we get those two things conflated and we think we're acting in wisdom and being sensible, but really we've not moved in faith and we've not pressed in and trust what the Lord has called us to. And so I was reading this in the vehicle on the way here, and this might seem out of left field, but it's, it jumped out at me and it felt like an invitation. And it's in Luke chapter 5, and you all know this scripture. One, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets, stepping into one of the boats. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
Now go out where it is deeper. Let your nets down and catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. I want to invite us tonight into this idea of going out where it is deeper. Because as I, I pray, for, when, I, when I have an opportunity to speak here, I think about this church, and I, I know my father-in-law, and I know the maturity, and I know, I know the full counsel of Scripture is preached here, and I know these different things. It's a different feeling than when you go into a body that is, is very new and fresh to the things of God. Does that make sense? That's, so there's fresh bread served here. That's not what I meant when I said new and fresh. I'm talking about very young believers that have not been exposed to the things of God. There's a maturity in this house that is different from a lot of places. And so when I come in here and I'm asking the Lord what, what direction to move in things, it feels different to me. And so tonight, the invitation is to even take a step further and deeper. And what I really felt like the Lord spoke when I was reading this particular scripture is that many of us have been casting our net and we have been playing it safe and we have been in the shell and we've been doing what we know to do and it has not been yielding fruit and it has not brought about change in our life. And I feel like the invitation tonight is, is really, will you come a little bit deeper? Can we, can we break off that fear? And actually, can we get a little bit of music while we kind of lean in? Because again, I don't think that as Christians we intentionally choose to keep some of what God, God has called us to at an arm's length. I don't think that's the desire of our heart. But I do think that circumstances and life and hurt and failure and disappointment will often cause us to hesitate in those things that God calls us to. And I really believe, I, I, I don't want to get too far in left field here, but I really believe that there is a, a receptivity and a maturity in this house that when, when you, in unity, Commit to going to those deeper places and those greater measures of encounter that you'll be accountable to. I really see that freshness coming into this room. I don't know if I hope this is making sense. I, I really believe there's a more and a greater as much as in this room. I really believe the Lord is saying to you in this room tonight, go out where it is deeper and cast your net. Try again. Give me another chance to show myself faithful to you. And so I want to speak against, I want to break off that fear of the enemy that would say that if you go there, you're not going to be looked out for. I want to break off that lie that says that you are good where you're at and you don't need to move forward. This, I'm not talking about you're not content and you don't have peace in your life, but I'm talking about you have gotten to that place where you stop taking risks in your life with God, where you stopped even asking certain questions because you felt like you knew what the answer was going to be? Do you know what I'm talking about? Those areas of your life with Jesus. I'm, I'm saying this to somebody like I'm evaluating my own heart in this moment. Lord, where have I stopped asking you questions because I didn't want to look in that direction? Where, where has, have I avoided things because I know that to go there will require this of me? Because I really believe that by Holy Spirit, you have a lot of the answers to the questions you're afraid to ask anyways, and that's why you're afraid to ask it. But this applies to every season and every facet of your life that there's always an opportunity to say yes to the deeper and the more in Jesus. And so I want, I want to bring even clarity. I hesitate to get out and, and try to like prophesy over something 
But the sense that I have from the Lord is that if as a community, I already know the heart of your pastor, but if as a community there's this commitment to, we're not going to compartmentalize our faith. We refuse to remain quiet when the truth rises up in us. We're not afraid of confrontation, but we are, well, we do have a fear of the Lord that will not allow us to sit still when we see injustice around us. And we refuse to be people that are comfortable and convenient, and we cling to and we desire that posture of conviction. Come on, I can, will you stand with me? I, I can, I'm telling you, I can, I can feel a wall right now. We like to be comfortable. And I, I really, this, this isn't Matt Mueller that is inviting you into this. I really believe the Spirit of the Lord is inviting you out of your comfort. Out of business as usual as a Christian. I actually, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would agitate you in such a way that those areas where you have refused to allow him, that they would begin to be stirred up in your spirit right now. Areas of fear, areas of reservation, distrust, hurt, that something would rise up to, in you tonight that says, Lord, I will cast my net one more time. I will go into the deeper things that you have called me to. We cannot, I just, I don't know how to articulate this well enough to get how strong I feel in my heart right now. We have to shift from comfort and convenience to conviction and consecration. We have to move from, listen, you have the Israelites who, who were so out of line that they desired the provision pre that they had in slavery over the fruit of walking with the Lord. And then you go all the way, to, you go to Luke, and what you see is the provision that comes with promise and with obedience. That's the life that I believe God has called us to, not the grumbling and complaining. Do you understand? He's, he's such a good father that even in the complacency and even in the ingratitude and even in the grumbling and complaining, there was still provision. But the heart posture didn't change. I would much rather my life look like that of Peter where I say yes and the provision comes. Where I respond to the invitation for the more and the greater in him. I've been around so many revival cultures and services and all these things that we're going to flip the town upside down. And it, it's, it's sad because it's almost lost its, its, its aroma and its efficacy because we've become so familiar with it. But we cannot allow that familiarity to displace us and allow us to just accept that this is how things are. The, the people of God are change agents. We have been called to establish his kingdom in the earth. And that doesn't happen when we settle for being believers in name only. It happens when we move from character uh, or behavior modification to that heart transformation where we say, I refuse to be anything but Christ-like. And so if something is stirred in your heart tonight, listen, I'm, I didn't come to be elegant tonight. I, didn't, I don't like not having everything lined out. I'm very, my mom's a teacher. My dad's an attorney. But I just, I felt like the Lord's heart tonight was just to be very genuine, authentic with you. Because it really, it stirs my heart. I want to see my city changed. I want to see my family changed. I want to know that when somebody puts the life of a Christian under the microscope, that they see Jesus there. 
that there, we are a people that become above reproach and not an indictment on the character of Jesus. That's heavy. Did you hear me? I want, to be, I want Christ to be seen in me. I don't want my heart and my character to be an indictment on the cross and what he did for me. And is it possible that many have, have moved away or don't want to come through our doors because of just that very reason that when they got too close, they, they realized that we did not reflect the Jesus we professed. And I'm not talking about a life that's you know, void of failure and mistakes. I'm talking about a trajectory in your heart that refuses to settle for less than what he promised and that is gripped with this idea that he deserves the full reward of his suffering in my life. That my life is currency for him to spend in whatever way he sees fit. And there is never a day where I will arrive where that mandate is lifted. So I don't care if, if you're five or 95 the posture has to remain yes and amen. Whatever you ask of me, Lord, I will do it. And so I just want to invite you forward this morning, and we're going to pray with you. But if, if in your heart tonight something stirred that said, I need to resolve this posture, I need to be one who goes deeper, I'm not going to be afraid of the cost or what it may require of me, but God, you deserve it. You're worthy. And I'm just going to give a minute because I'm, I'm trusting Holy. Because here's, here's the truth, church. I had a pastor that used to say, I never worry about the one who comes to the altar. It's the ones who never leave their seat. And I even have been the one that gets frustrated sometimes when somebody gives a generic altar call that feels like, well, of course I should say yes to that. But the response then should be yes. When someone extends an invitation to walk in greater intimacy with Jesus and to more rightly reflect his heart in your life, something should jump up in you that says, I'm going, that's what I want, that's what I need. And if, as I talk about this tonight, if rather than feeling an invitation to greater Christ-likeness, you feel offense, then maybe proceed your yes with repentance tonight. And maybe ask Holy Spirit to identify what that place is in your heart that is offended when somebody calls you to a greater measure of consecration or shares something that is a threat to your current comfort. Go ahead, just begin to pursue him. Pray in your own, in your own words, in your own way. Do this for you. You have to ascend the hill tonight.
behold him. That in seeing him, it reveals yourself and it shows you the likeness to which you are to conform to. So I know I'm asking a little bit of us and we're, we're tired at Sunday night. But I believe there's something that happens when we close out in praise. I believe that some of those things we committed to in the altar and committed to in praise become cemented and rooted in our hearts when we close out and acknowledge how good he is, how faithful he is, how worthy he is. I'm telling you, there's a, there's a stirring that's taking place, and I, I, feel, I feel that wall tonight. Life is discouraging sometimes. But I promise you that it's never in vain. So we're just going to close out. Can we do gratitude? So I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. If you, if you need to sit, that's okay. But I want you to push through just a little bit more tonight in worship. And I want you to bring that praise and I want you to bring that gratitude. And I want you to confess your desire to be like him and your desire to not relent in that pursuit and not to grow weary in well-doing, but that you will be refreshed in refreshing others. Father, I pray for a boldness in this room tonight. I pray for a confidence in this room tonight, God, that we would not be afraid what we will say because you will give us utterance. You will give us the words. You will give us the posture. You will give us the attitude that we will will move in. Lord, you will help us to move in love. That brings conviction, not passive, but passionate, not comfortable, but convicted. We commit this to you, Lord. Go ahead, man. Take it away.